0: April 28th and this is VOA's international edition. I am China in Washington. Coming up in the next half hour. NATO and allied nations agree to step up military support for Ukraine against the Russian invasion.
1: We would like to make sure again that they don't have the same type of capability to bully their neighbors that we saw at the outset of this conflict.
0: The U.N. calls for better management of risks from natural
2: disasters triggered by climate change. The report warns the world is set to face more frequent and extreme disasters, and nations are ill-prepared to tackle the dangers.
0: And a court military-ruled Myanmar sentences from leader, Aung San Suu Kyi, to five years in prison. We'll have these stories and more next on International Edition. Stay tuned. NATO and allied nations have agreed to step up their military support for Ukraine to fight the Russian invasion. The announcement followed a meeting hosted by the United States Secretary of Defense, who warned that weapons must be delivered quickly as the war enters a crucial phase. Harry Ridgewell reports.
1: U.S. Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin hosted counterparts from 40 allied nations at the Ramstein Air Base in Germany to rally support for Ukraine. Ukraine clearly believes that it can win, and so does everyone here. Speaking to reporters, Austin said Russian forces have suffered significant losses. We would like to make sure, again, uh, that they don't have the same type of capability uh, to bully their neighbors that we, that we saw at the outset of this, uh, of this conflict. Austin said 30 countries had pledged $5 billion of security assistance to Ukraine, including $3.7 billion from the U.S. The coming weeks will be so crucial for Ukraine. So we've got to move at the speed of war. Until now, Germany has refused to supply heavy weapons, but confirmed Tuesday it will send 50 Gepard tanks fitted with anti-aircraft weapons. German Defense Minister Christine
3: Lambrecht. That is exactly what Ukraine needs now, to secure the airspace from the ground.
1: The West has been forced to act, says Fabrice Pottier, former NATO director of policy planning. Clearly the situation on the ground has changed, and the kind of civilian
0: massacres that you are seeing uh, have, have moved the needle.
1: The war in Ukraine has shifted to the eastern Donbass region with different military requirements, says analyst Bradley Bowman. So wider open areas, um, it's going artillery is going to be a key part of this. The side that can have the most artillery fire, uh, uh, precisely delivered. Uh, quickly is probably the side that's going to win. U.S. rhetoric about Ukraine has also shifted. Secretary Austin repeatedly spoke of a Ukrainian victory. Again, Bradley Bowman. If you combine Ukrainian bravery and skill and a willingness to defend their homes against this unprovoked invasion with Western support, which frankly we're going to have to be able to provide for the long haul, uh, then I think over the long run this will be a grand strategic disaster for Putin. But in the short term, let's be clear, the picture is mixed. But there are differences in the NATO family, says Pottier. Between those who think this is the
0: moment where we can win it and, and really defeat Putin's kind of war of aggressions uh, against a school of thought of kind of more worry of escalation and of not punishing Russia or humiliating Russia, but rather... Uh, uh, just trying to stop things as soon as possible. Russia
1: warned Monday the Western supply of weapons to Ukraine risks World War Three. Secretary Austin called the remarks dangerous and unhelpful. Britain dismissed Moscow's comments as bravado and said it did not see an immediate risk of escalation. Henry Ridgewell for VUA News, London.
0: U.S. President Joe Biden has called Russia's action in Ukraine a genocide and legal experts say there is a basis to make that case. Lesia Bakalets explains in this report, narrated by Anna Rice. President Biden has made it
4: clear where he stands on the issue of Russian atrocities in Ukraine.
0: Yes, I call this genocide, it has become clear and clear trying to wipe out the idea of Ukraine.
4: But French President Emmanuel Macron is not using this term.
5: The word genocide has a very particular meaning and
6: it's up to lawyers, not politicians. To define it.
4: The term genocide was coined at the end of the Second World War by a Polish lawyer of Jewish descent, Rafael Lemkin. It has a specific definition, say scholars. To prove genocide means to prove that war crimes were committed with malicious intent. International law experts are debating whether Russian actions qualify as genocide. Comments by President Vladimir Putin could contribute to the case against Russia, say these experts. While neither Russia nor Ukraine are a party to the International Criminal Court, experts say the court can still investigate Russia's crimes. But they add it would be better to create a separate tribunal for that purpose. Yet it's unlikely Putin will be brought to trial, even if a tribunal establishes that Russia's actions in Ukraine constitute genocide, say experts. More likely is that lower-ranking offenders might be captured and put on trial. Yet these difficulties have not stopped the collection of evidence of genocide against Ukrainians. By opening an investigation early, experts say, the evidence gets documented soon after the crimes are committed they can also be made public as early as possible. For Lester in Washington, NRIs,
0: VUE News. European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen says the European Union will work to ensure Russian gas giant Gazprom's decision to cut supplies to Poland and Bulgaria has the least possible impact on consumers. Moscow says the gas cutoff is to enforce its demand for payment in rubles needed to shield its economy from international sanctions over the war in Ukraine. Von der Leyen said at a news conference in Brussels that the Kremlin had failed to, quote, sow division, unquote, among the EU member states and that they were working to overcome the shortfall.
6: Gazprom's announcement that it is unilaterally stopping gas deliveries to certain EU member states is another provocation from the Kremlin. But it comes as no surprise that the Kremlin uses fossil fuels to try to blackmail us. This is something the European Commission has been preparing for in close coordination and solidarity with Member States and international partners. Our response will be immediate, united, and coordinated. First, we will ensure that Gazprom's decision has the least possible impact on European consumers. Today, Member States met in the Gas Coordination Group Poland and Bulgaria updated us on the situation. Both Poland and Bulgaria are now receiving gas from their EU neighbors. And this shows, first of all, the immense solidarity among us, but it also shows the effectiveness of past investments, for example, in interconnectors and other gas infrastructure. The Commission will intensify its work with the so-called regional groups of member states, These regional groups of member states can provide the most immediate solidarity to each other if needed, and this will mitigate any impacts on possible gas disruptions. Second, we will continue our work to ensure sufficient gas supply and storage in the medium term. Our action plan, Repower EU, will help to significantly reduce our dependency on Russian fossil fuels already this year, we have, as you know, also reached an agreement with the United States to provide additional LNG imports this year and the following ones, and we are working hand in hand with our Member States to secure alternative gas supplies from other partners too. In the longer term, Repower EU will also help us move to a more reliable, secure and sustainable energy supply.
0: That's European Commission President Ursula von der Leyen. Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov dismissed on Wednesday... ...accusations that Moscow is using natural gas supplies as a tool of blackmail... ...after Russian energy giant Gazprom halted gas exports to Poland and Bulgaria. Peskov said that nothing was changing. He said, quote... ...the only thing that's new is the requirement to open two new accounts at Gazprom Bank, unquote. Russia cut gas flows to Poland and Bulgaria on Wednesday after they rejected a demand to pay in rubles. The United Nations is calling for better management to reduce risks from rapidly increasing natural disasters largely triggered by climate change. The UN Office for Disaster Risk Reduction has issued its 2022 Global Assessment Report which prescribes solutions to lessen the threatened risks. Lester Schlein reports for VOA from Geneva.
2: The report warns the world is set to face more frequent and extreme disasters and nations are ill-prepared to tackle the dangers. It says the number of natural disasters experienced over the last two decades is five times higher than in the previous three decades. Based on current trends, says Director of the UN Office for Disaster Risk Reduction, Ricardo Mena, the world will face some 560 disasters per year.
5: Disasters have forced over a quarter of a billion people into internal displacement. So that's much more than those that have been displaced by conflict uh, and, and war. ...each year on average between 2010 and 2020.
2: Over the last decade, the cost of disasters has amounted to around $170 billion a year. The UN report notes the Asia-Pacific region bears the greatest share of economic loss followed by the African region. Menas says it is the poorest countries that are most impacted by disasters, forcing the most vulnerable into a spiral of destruction. But he says that destructive spiral can be stopped if governments adopt better risk reduction policies and management strategies.
5: Governments will need to invest more in disaster resilience, strengthening national budgets to protect people and critical infrastructure. But they also will have to strengthen efforts to avoid the creation of new risk as a result of risk-blind decisions.
2: Menas says decisions people make on how they live, build, and invest can create new risks. For example, he says someone who builds a house in an earthquake-prone area without respecting the building codes is likely to have his house destroyed. A municipality that builds a school in a flood-prone area may see the building washed away. Making better decisions, Mena says, can lead to fewer disasters. Lisa Schlein for VOA News, Geneva. A
0: UN report this week is calling for urgent action to avert a, quote, sand crisis, unquote, including a ban on beach extraction as demand surge to 50 billion tons a year amid population growth and urbanization. Libby Hogan of Reuters reports.
7: The world faces a looming sand crisis, the UN has warned. It issued a report calling for urgent action to avert it, including a ban on beach mining.
0: It's renewing at a geological rate and we are extracting at such a fast rate.
7: Let's take a look at what's causing the damage and where. Sand is the most exploited natural resource in the world after water. It's used in glass, concrete and construction materials. But its use is largely ungoverned, meaning we are consuming it faster than it can be replaced by geological processes that take hundreds of thousands of years. Global consumption has tripled over two decades to reach 50 billion tonnes a year. That's the equivalent of about 37 pounds per person each day. Sand extraction is harming rivers and coastlines, and even wiping out small islands. One example is a Sri Lankan river where sand removal reversed the water flow. That means ocean water is heading inland and bringing saltwater crocodiles with it. Removal like this is happening around the world to feed construction. Meanwhile, the longest river in Southeast Asia, the Mekong, is sinking. Pascal Putzi is the UN Environment Programme Director.
0: In the Mekong River, for example, there's so much sand taken out of the Mekong uh, Delta that the Delta is, is sinking also because of water withdrawing. And, and on top of that, you have sea level rise, so you're losing grounds. You're, you're getting more salinizations of the, this fertile soil. So you, we're going to see a lot of impact that is the crisis that is looming and that we want to avert.
7: Demand is now seen as shifting to Africa, where villagers often remove sand from lakes or beaches to build growing cities. This puts coastlines more at risk to the impact of climate change, such as powerful storms. So what are the solutions? The UN recommends a ban on beach extraction and a creation for an international standard for marine dredging that harms ocean biodiversity. It is also calling for reducing demand by reusing sand from recycled materials like concrete left over from mining.
0: That's Libby Hogan of Reuters. A court in military-ruled Myanmar has convicted former leader Aung San Suu Kyi of corruption and sentenced her to five years in prison. Suu Kyi was ousted by an army takeover in February last year she denies the allegation that she accepted gold and hundreds of thousands of dollars in a bribe from a top political colleague. Her supporters and independent legal experts say her prosecution is unjust and an attempt to remove 76-year-old Suu Kyi from politics. She has already been sentenced to six years imprisonment in other cases. For more on this story and other breaking news, visit our website at vonews.com. Remember to connect with us on social media. We are on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. Search for VOA Africa. You are listening to VOA's International Edition. I am Chinadolph in Washington. The U.S. government is giving an additional two hundred million dollars to support humanitarian initiatives in Ethiopia, Kenya, and Somalia, where more than twenty million people are in need of food, medicine. Lack of rain in the region has led to the driest conditions in forty years. Mohamed Yusuf reports from Nairobi. Speaking online to journalist Sarah Charles of the U.S. Agency for International
8: Development outlined how drought has impacted the lives of millions in the Horn of Africa.
3: The frequency and severity of droughts in the region and the scale of humanitarian needs are increasing, exposing the devastating trend of climate change that disproportionately affects the world's poorest communities. Already, 1.5 million livestock have died. Crops are nearly non existent in affected areas. In some areas, including Kenya and southern and southeastern Ethiopia, conflict has broken out over scarce resources. An alarming number of children are acutely malnourished. And we're also seeing devastating reports from Somalia of young girls being forced to marry in exchange for food and water.
8: Charles said Tuesday the U.S. government is providing another $200 million to help get food and medical supplies to millions in the region. The aid will boost U.S. government aid for drought victims to more than $360 million this year. However, that number is just a fraction of the funding needed. U.N. humanitarian agencies say they will need $4.4 billion dollars To fully scale up their relief efforts in the region, according to the UN Office for the Coordination of Humanitarian Affairs, more than 6 million people in the Horn are feeling the impact of the drought. It says more than 750,000 have left their homes in search of water, food and pasture. Some 3 million people are internally displaced in Somalia alone. In even more dire news, UN aid chief Martin Griffiths says 2 million children in the Horn are at risk of starving to death. Aid agencies trying to help hungry people in northern Ethiopia. Have been hampered by the region's volatile security situation. Charles says the problem is especially acute in the Tigray region.
3: We are facing in Tigray um, really almost unprecedented challenges with access, Um, both obstruction um, in terms of bureaucratic obstruction, um, conflict, violence, um, difficulty reaching those who are most in need with assistance. Um, We've seen over the last two weeks um, small convoys of assistance, the latest one actually yesterday um, reached Mekele for the first time in, um, in several months.
8: A poor start of the rainy season has heightened fears the drought and its impact in the horn will get worse. Humanitarian agencies say that even if good rains arrive, they cannot quickly reverse the suffering the drought has caused to millions. Mohammed Yusuf for VA News, Nairobi.
0: The Private Equity and Venture Capital Association, or AFCA, Says Africa attracted a record $7.4 billion in private capital in 2021, more than double the year before. But while the continent provides ample possibilities for investors, it also presents challenges from instability to climate change. At this year's Africa conference in Senegal, investors discussed some of the trends. Anika Hamashlag reports from Dakar. In Africa, one of our main goals
9: is to diversify... More than 500 people from some 50 countries filtered in and out of conference rooms at Dakar's Radisson Hotel Tuesday for day two of ABCA's annual gathering. Africa offers a rich environment for local and international investors, attendees say, as it has a growing youth population and consumer market. Alexia Alexandra is a research manager at ABCA. She said investor interest in the continent has been largely driven by the attraction of financial technology companies. A number of sizable infrastructure deals also contributed to investment growth. And these infrastructure investments were focused on renewable energy, transportation, communication services, and they support African governments to fill the infrastructure gap on the continent. Yeah, and we expect to see more of these trends to continue in the years to come. Some African governments, such as Senegal's, have successfully attracted international investment in recent years. In 2019, it became the second African country to pass a Startup Act, which eases regulations and provides tax breaks to innovative new businesses. Venture capital activity here comprised 80% of total reported deals in 2021, up from 6% between 2016 and 2020, according to AVCA. But investing in African companies also comes with challenges, investors say, including currency volatility, small national economies, limited access to finance and banking services, and political unrest. Waleed Sharif is the managing director of Blue Peak Private Capital.
8: If you have a long-term view and if you're well-diversified, you can obviously overcome those issues. From outside, you read the news or you think it's scary, it's difficult, but at the end of the day, there's so many opportunities on the ground, so many great businesses that as long as you put the tools in them and give them a lot of uh, assistance and support, you can definitely help them become strong businesses.
9: Climate change is another major hindrance. Sub-Saharan Africa is expected to suffer disproportionately from extreme weather events, such as floods and drought. This is disruptive to businesses, particularly those in the agricultural sector. Some investors have begun setting climate goals. Clarissa DeFranco is the managing director of British International Investment. Last year, her company set a goal of having 30% of their investments dedicated toward addressing climate change.
4: They will have to have a specific mandate of addressing climate from a resilience uh, adaptation or mitigation point of view. How do we achieve that from a new commitment point of view, but also from a portfolio point of view is something that we need to explore a bit more.
9: Potential investments might include the renewable energy and plantation sectors, she said. The ABCA conference continues in Dakar through Friday. Annika Hammerschlag for VOA News, Dakar, Senegal.
0: This has been International Edition on The Voice of America. On behalf of the entire production team, thank you so much for listening. Visit our website for in-depth coverage of world events and news 24 hours a day at voanews.com. Until next time, I am Chinado in Washington, wishing you a great day. Next,
7: an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government.
5: Addressing the challenge of mass migration in the Western Hemisphere remains a priority for the United States, declared Secretary of State Antony Blinken at the Ministerial Conference on Migration and Protection in Panama. We have a strong interest in protecting the security of our borders in a safe, orderly, and humane way, he said. We care about the well-being of millions of people across the hemisphere who have made the desperate decision to leave their homes and communities in search of a better life. The journeys are often dangerous. Migrants are vulnerable to exploitation of all kinds. Many are children, and their fates, their futures are highly uncertain. We have a shared responsibility to look out for them. The United States is focused on the underlying issues that are pushing so many people to become migrants in the first place, including poverty, a lack of economic opportunity, corruption, political upheaval, and insecurity, all of which has been made worse by the climate crisis and COVID-19. The United States is committed to working with other nations to take on migrant smuggling networks, improve humane and effective border management, counter information and develop legal pathways for immigrants and refugees seeking a safe place to call home. In particular, said Secretary Blinken, we have to work together to help stabilize and strengthen communities that are hosting large populations of migrants. We have to help them get the tools that they need to rebuild their lives, including access to jobs and education. And we have to make sure that our support directly benefits the communities themselves with increased resources for public health and safety, social services, better infrastructure, opportunity for everyone. This is a job for governments of the region, but also for NGOs, the private sector, multilateral development and financial institutions, and regional and global public health and climate agencies. The United States will help bring together these different groups and leverage all of their contributions to this challenge. There are more people around the world on the move, displaced from their homes, than at any time since the Second World War. Some 95 billion people, said Secretary Blinken. This is a challenge that we have to stand together to meet, work together to meet, and join together to meet.
8: That was an editorial reflecting the views of the United States government.